Good morning. Welcome to Christ Community today. Maybe it's your first time or maybe you've been here many times. I invite you, if you have a copy of the scriptures, to invite you to open to the book of Habakkuk. It's a little small minor prophet. Go to the Gospel of Matthew, go left five books and you'll land right there in a three chapter book. We're uh, finishing our study today called Standing in the Awe of God. And we want to talk about how awesome he is. And I want to just, um, as you're turning there, I want to read to you from Psalm 33, verses 6 through 9. Listen to God's word. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their story host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into the jars, and he puts the deep into the storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him, for he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. God, thank you for your eternal word that always causes to give us resources for life. It always tends to sustain us and strengthen us in our times of need, our times of sorrow, and yet our times of rejoicing. Blessed be the name of the Lord God who gives us the eternal word of God. And God's people said, man, this is God's word. This is no textbook. You know, over the years I've talked to many people and people have fallen in love with Jesus and they fall in love with his word. And sometimes if you're not careful, you'll find somebody and they become an academic. They see this as just another book, a book to master, just a text to learn the historical patterns and lessons. And there's a lot of history in this book. I've I've been studying it for a long time, and I feel like I'm still just scratching the surface. Like doing this study on Habakkuk, I mean, I've read Habakkuk a number of times. I've studied it, but I've studied it more this time than probably ever before. And I still feel like, God, I still don't feel like I've got the full meaning. Does anybody know what I'm talking about when you study God's Word? Because if you feel like, oh, pastor, I've like mastered a book. Well, I tell you, you're full of pride. You have not. You probably understand some concepts maybe better than the rest of us. But God's Word is eternal, and it breathes, and it reads us. Aren't you grateful for that ministry today of the Holy Spirit? So I just wanted to kind of read Psalm 33 to you just to kind of crank us up before we get into this psalm or into this minor prophet Habakkuk. Now, chapter 1 if you weren't here, maybe you just want to write across the top. Chapter 1 is all about why, all the why questions that we ask God. And we go honestly before him and we ask those. And there's no question off limits and God can handle it. And Habakkuk began to ask things of the Lord. Chapter 2 was seriously about the word wait, waiting on God and what it means to wait. And we kind of tried to talk into that in the dip last weekend. I'm going to go back to the dip in just a moment. But then we get to chapter 3, and here's the final chapter today. And the word there is worship, worship the Almighty God. Now, everything that we hope to do every weekend, every midweek, every time we gather in homes or where we find ourselves is to worship Jesus Christ. There's this notion that we only worship when we come to the house of God. We're blessed here. We're building a great facility that will be in about a couple months, and that will give us more physical structure people like oh look at the church and i'm excited about the church and the environments but let me tell you there's nothing greater than who you are right now the gathered saints of god it's the people of god that's the true church doesn't matter if we had enough brick to go all the way down to chantilly and back and that'd be a lot of brick believe me i I was out here watching the guys this week we fed them lunch we had a lunch uh, a a construction workers luncheon had about 27 of them show up it was a lot of fun and a lot of them were bricklayers, and they've been laying brick, and they can only go like six foot a day, and it's just amazing in the heat. And, just, and they said, Pastor, do you know there's a lot of brick on that wall? Well, they're laying it. I mean, has anybody here ever laid brick before? I didn't think so. 
And if you did, I, I laid some in Mexico for the first time. Then they let me lay some in Brazil. Then I retired. I mean, I'm a horrible bricklayer. If my family depended on me to lay brick to feed them, we'd be starving. And I'm so grateful for a guy or for a girl. I, I haven't seen any girls out there. But, I'm, but if you want to be a woman brick mason, you praise God. There ain't nobody keeping you from it. And you get in and lay those bricks, and they make something. They look like something. But let's look here because God wants to frame our life. I want to go to the dip with you. Ready? Now, a lot of you were here last weekend, but some weren't. And I just felt like this was too good to pass up. I had some people say, I wish I'd have learned that 10 years ago, five years ago. Well, you know what my, my thought is on that? Aren't you glad you're here now? Because <laughs> you're like, what if you hadn't have been here? Well, you might have to wait 10 or 20 more years. Seth Godin, a great writer, he came up with this business concept called the dip, how businesses go and they grow, and then they kind of begin to stall, and they go down, and, and then some just fold, and they close the doors, and then some tend to make it back out. So I just want to walk through this spiritually in case you didn't see it last weekend. Now, here it is. We're, we're starting here, and let's say we cry out to God. We, we cry out to Jesus, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. There's no God, N-O, and you come to K-N-O-W. You know God. You know him personally through Jesus Christ. You get enlightened. Revelation comes. We called it, the scriptural word would be, we're born again. We're born anew. We're born in Christ. We're born of the Spirit. A beautiful place. So here it is. We begin, we come to Christ, and we begin to start making our track. And we, we somehow get up here at the top and we think, man, I am God's gift to humanity. Aren't people lucky to have me in their class? Aren't people lucky to have me in their Bible study, on their first touch team, on their worship? You pray prayers, your prayers get heard. You go to Walmart, as I said last weekend, you get a front row parking space. You come to church, everything I say is anointed, and you receive it, and you take notes. I mean, you turn on the radio, every song was set up for you, and you go, woohoo! Maybe you don't do that, but maybe you do. So life is good. And then I think God says, you know what? It's time for some maturity. And you begin to make this little descent. And you begin to kind of come down. And you get down here in the dip, okay? And the dip, we go, oh, I'm a dip. I'm in a dip. It's horrible. I'm not growing. God doesn't hear me. God's abandoned me. And you just feel like things are washed up. Well, let me assure you, in the dip, in the valley, that's where we grow the most into church. That's where we, because we get up here, we tend to, if we're not careful, we take our, you know, we take a little more ownership of our faith, and we think we've done it when we know it's God. But there's a couple things that can happen here. In, in this stage here, there's the CB, the Henry Blackaby talks about the crisis of belief. And you begin to doubt, and you, somehow you believe this, but what's happening in your life doesn't match up, and there's all kinds of things. So you want to do this. You want to do the jump back. You want to jump back that hill. You want to go back where, man, everything's so great. And you can't really do that. God's got to grow you through the dip. But then some, this is a scary part, they do this. They say, forget God. Circumstantial faith. They walk away. My mama died. I lost my job. My kids on drugs. Just filling in. We can't get pregnant. I don't know what it is. You get mad at God. You turn. You forget him. You become sour. It's a horrible place to be. Thank God for this church and some people we've met in that place and they begin to come back. But then I think there's a place that God wants us to go. And I'll finish this up quickly. Greater faith and greater intimacy. Okay? And this is where God wants to take us, okay? 
He wants us to get on that path of growing, and we go back saying, Jesus Christ, I, you are Lord. I exalt you. I want to mature. I want to conform to the image of your son, Father. I want to become like Christ. And somehow you make it through the dip. Last weekend, I asked some of you, I said, how many of you in the dip? Man, during prayer time, there was a lot of hands went up. I prayed for a lot of people in the dip. Maybe you got out of the dip this week. Thank the Lord. Maybe you're still in the dip. Hang in there. But here's the deal. When you get in the dip, there's a tendency to white knuckle or push back from God. I would encourage you to say this. Listen to this carefully. If you don't remember anything else I say today, press in to God. Push in and lean on his heart. He has not forsaken you and he's not abandoned you. He's with you. You're saying, but man, it hurts. Well, we're going to kind of walk through this song today and we'll see. So here it is in Habakkuk. Evil is prevalent. The Chaldeans, the Babylonians are chosen by God as an instrument that he is going to punish Judah, which is a more blessed people, but they've got an idolatry and a bunch of other sins. So God says, hey, I'm going to chastise, I'm going to punish you. And, and so it's a, it's a really tough thing. So chapter 1, verse 5, he begins to answer, and he says, I'm going to judge Judah. Chapter 2, he climbs on the watchtower, and he becomes a watchman. He says, I'm going to wait on God, and that's a good place for you and I to get. And then we go into 3, and it, he, he talks here about putting this psalm or putting this word to a song. Really, Habakkuk 3 is a song. Now, I'm not going to sing it to you. I didn't even ask Jeff to sing it to you because we don't even have a tune for it. But that's really what it was. it was. It was a song to sing over the people, to the people. God, we stand in awe of you. God, you are the famous one. God, you're famous. You're renowned. Your glory fills the earth. Uh, I want you to Psalm 33, 8. Listen to this. I read it earlier. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let the people of the world revere him. God, you are glorious. And then he goes in about, hey, God, you pour out your wrath, but oh, God, have mercy. Pour out your mercy on us, God. God, we need a touch from heaven. God, we need your help. And then others, oh, God, it's not fair. It's not fair. How many of you have said that lately? It's not fair. Anybody say that? You're in church now, don't lie. How many have said lately it's not fair about something? It ain't fair. That just, that ain't fair. No, here's fairness. Let me give you fairness. Fairness would be that you and I would die and go to hell. But Jesus Christ took care of that punishment and took all our punishment and all the sin and the iniquity upon him. He took it upon the cross and by his blood we're free. Is that good news? That's awesome news. So Christ makes things fair in that sense. But we're like, well, but I didn't get the promotion. I didn't get the car. I didn't get the date. I didn't get this. Life's not fair. Well, the other thing is, hey, you didn't get sick. Well, you know, they got sick. They deserved it. No, they didn't deserve it. It's just the way it works. Let's look at your outline here. I want you to see this. There's a quick review, just kind of a a quick uh, outline. It says the request there in the first couple of verses. Then there's a review. And then my favorite is in verses 16 through 18, he goes into a mindset, into an attitude of rejoicing. He rejoices in his mighty God. Today, the theme is, I want to remind us again, standing in awe of God. Now, let's look at some of these points. Number one, let's remember what God has done. Let's fill that in. Remember what God has done. You've got to remember in the past what he did. 
how he delivered Israel, how he drowned the Egyptians, how he did this, how the plagues, how, how he provided, uh, you know, the atonement over the door, how God did this, how he provided manna. You're saying, well, those are Old Testament stories. All right, let's go to your life. How God provided a mate, how God provided a job, how God provided a salvation, how God provided a Bible study for you to be a part of, how God provided for your questions, how God provided whatever. Just God, I thank you for what you've done. Here's the key. Don't forget, but remember God. We did a whole series about remember, but I just want to come back and drive it because to have a past with God, or you have to have a past with God to have a future. Write that down. You have to have a past with God to have a future. God, I've walked with you in the past. Well, I mean, you have to start at some point. So God, therefore, I declare that I will walk with you in the future of life. I will trust you in the dip of life. Now, what gives us confidence in the dip? Because we've seen the past faithfulness of the Lord. And if you journal, you can really go back and even can begin to mark, or, or you just have spiritual markers in your life, and you go, God, I see what you're doing. God, you're the famous one. Let me tell you uh, one of the remembrance. The greatest remembrance I know of in the church is communion. When we celebrate Holy Communion, we are reminded of the faithfulness of God in Jesus Christ, how he poured out his life that we might be forgiven of sin and then christ invites you and i to the table what a wonderful picture so here uh he's saying here in verse two let's look at three two in habakkuk lord i've heard of your fame i stand in all of your deeds O lord renew them in our day in our time make them known in wrath god remember mercy how many of you are crying out for wrath on your life god bring wrath anybody praying that prayer I don't think so. How many of you pray for mercy? Oh, man, I love the mercy prayers. God, have mercy. Have mercy on my life. Have mercy on my family. God, have mercy on our church. Let me make it real personal. I hope that we've been praying for all the victims of the Gulf Coast and for God to have mercy on them and make provision. It, it's the biggest, you know, ecological disaster that I remember. It's It's horrible. I don't know what we're going to read, what we're going to see, and how it's impacting. I mean, it's impacting people up here and beyond here, people that would travel uh, south going to the beach that would stop here and spend money in Montgomery or Nashville or wherever they're from. I mean, it's got terrific, uh, you know, gas prices. What's going to happen? I don't want to be a prophet of doom, but I mean, we just need to pray, God, have mercy on those people. You know, but a lot of times we don't think about others. We think about us. God, how's it going to impact me? So here it is. It's full of his glory, redemptive grace. Verse 4, he says, his splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flash, rays flash from his land. The light went forth. Oh, I love when the light of God goes forth in our life. And, and in verse 6, he goes, he talks about the mountains being shattered. And who can stand up against you, oh God? Your glory fills our life. You're the eternal. You're the everlasting God. So I want to I say this. When you're in the dip, you go back to what you know of God. You go back to when you know God met you. You go back to when you wrestled with God. You go back to when you doubted God. You go back to when you were feeling alone and God met you. God delivered you from your sin. God delivered you from your bondage. God delivered you from your stronghold. God delivered you from something. You go back to that point. You go, God, you're faithful. That's my marker. And then you go forward. Because, you know, life's full of dips. I mean, we could just go up down the road today and interview you like, man, are you in the dip? Oh, man, I just got out of the dip. I'm, I think I'm going into a dip. Man, my, my mama's in the dip. My dad's in the dip. You don't call him a dip. But, hey, there, somebody, somebody's going into it. I mean, do, am I speaking Greek or does everybody understand what I'm trying to say here? I mean, life, is, is life tough? It can be. 
Is life good? Absolutely. How many enjoy living life? Well, yeah, man, I want life to the full. And you know what we want? We want 4th of July every day. We want to have barbecue and people rub our feet and get in the water. And I don't know who rubs your feet. Anyway, and you just, you, just, you just want life to be so good. But that's not life. I mean, that's just a part of life. So God wants us to move on. He wants us to embrace him. In verses 7 through 15, he gets in this whole passage of really Hebrew poetry. And I'm not going to read it all to you for sake of time. But the bottom line is go back to God. Grab his hand wrestle with god fight with god but in the end hold on to him don't depart from the faith um when you come to church and maybe god gives you a word embrace that word that god speaks to you you go to a, a bible study or a small group and god speaks to you embrace that word you meet a friend at church and they embrace you physically and then they pray for you embrace that word when somebody's hurting but here it is remember his glory and remember his deeds. He's an awesome God, and don't deny the reality. And let's look at point two. Worship in the midst of fear. Now, we live in a generation that's full of fear. And today there are people that are listening to my voice that some of you are fearful-minded, fearful-controlled people. Fear just almost paralyzes you. I don't know what you're afraid of. You're you're afraid of cancer. You're afraid of heart disease. You're afraid you're going to lose your job. You're afraid your mate's going to leave. You're afraid you're going to fail the test. You're, I don't know, just, I don't want to name them. I can't name them all. Just fear. And here it is, goes, worship in the midst of fear. Because in the Bible it says, they trembled. They, they quivered. And we should tremble over our fear of a holy God, of how great he is. And we worship through that. When their lips quivered, they couldn't stand up in such awe of who he is. I want to give you a verse I found just last night. Right now, Job 25, verse 2. Dominion and awe belong to God. Dominion and awe belong to our king. Oh, God, we're subjects of your eternal dominion. Your dominion rules over all. And Lord, in awe this morning, we stand, we sit, we kneel before you. Let's look at point three on the outline here. It says, worship God through emptiness. In verse 17, I want you to see this. I'm jumping down here through Habakkuk. He goes, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Let's stop right there. And it's not like a very positive message, does it? It sounds like a message that uh, there's a lot of uh, complete, utterly emptiness. Nothing's happened. If, if I come to y'all's house this afternoon, and you've got a fig tree in season, and it has no figs on it, what do you do with it? You chop it down. Don't you? I, I, I heard, did, I, did I hear? Did I, I, yeah, you chop it down because they're like, man, this tree is not doing its job. We'll make it firewood. We'll let it do something. So there's no, uh, and here when he talks about fruit, there's no water. You see, in, in this point, they didn't have a lot of pure drinking water, and they drank a lot of different wines in those days and, and that would kill a lot of the diseases and stuff. So there was no, like, drinking. There was, the, the water wasn't there. Then he says no food here. There's no crops. There's no olives. There's the medicines that would come, the medicinal value that came out of there there wouldn't be any then he goes there's no sheep sheep were the main source of protein for the people in this time if there's no sheep in the stall you're, you're hurting physically on your diet also there's not a uh, the sheep for sacrifice that god required and then he and, and then he goes no cattle now the cattle what do they do with the cattle the cattle was the power source that drove the plows to work the fields of the day in other words here's what he said when he says no you're helpless. Nothing. 
We're nothing without God. And yet, in the midst of that, Habakkuk knew, he had prophesied, he'd heard from God, he knew things were going to be hard. He worshiped through fear. He worshiped through despair. He just got there. When we look at World War II or other great wars in our country, all the lives that were killed and all the pain that comes from emptiness, it's just a tough thing. And here's what I wrote down. Trust what God will do, wait on him, and trust in him. God, I wait as Habakkuk did. Oh, God. I mean, right now this morning, there could be somebody sitting there today just going, Pastor, I'm, I'm waiting. I've been waiting a long time. I'm tired. And maybe you're saying, well, I just started waiting a few days or a few weeks, but I'm waiting on God to incline his ear to hear my prayer. I just encourage you simply today, endure, persevere in the grace of Christ. Uh, he is your strength. He will deliver you. Being negative, being depressed, being despaired, it only does this. It only weakens you. It only makes you weak when you get all down on yourself. But you look up. God, my help comes from the mountains. God, my help comes from heaven. God, you are my source of strength. But Lord, my whole world is unraveling. I mean, right now, y'all, when I'm watching the news and reading the papers you do, I feel like our world is coming apart. I feel like America is somehow busting. I feel like somehow in America, we're in not very good shape. Can, does anybody agree with me on that? You're saying, well, not me, Pastor. I know it's going to be okay. Don't you say negative things, Pastor. You just be positive. And you want me to go down and say, Bush, you are Bush. You give me money, Bush. I believe you for money. I, I don't believe that. that ain't faith. That's just stupidity, okay? Right now, it's a tough time. But let me tell you, we have a God. He's a God of all hope. He's a God of all comfort. He's a God of all sources. We have a God that can carry us through whatever we have to endure in this life. He's an eternal God, a place to dwell and put our faith in. Amen? Amen. And y'all, we, we got to look for the eternal because right now, if we just look to the day-to-day natural of this world, it can get a little scary. I mean, I understand, man, things are tougher. They're kind of bleak. But the great news is we still are incredibly blessed. We still have incredible needs that God's been meeting for us. But greater than that, you know, maybe God is just trying to get our attention. Anybody ever thought of that? Maybe God just wants the church to wake up that we've gotten so cool and so religious that we think, God, we don't need you. Basically, we've spit on God when we kicked him out of school, when we did away with prayer, when we have just aborted millions of babies. And maybe God's just saying, I love you, America. I want to get your attention. Matter of fact, I think God loves the world. We're not the only nation suffering. All the people in there in hard times. You're saying, well, what? Well, he's God. I mean, he's trying to get our attention. He's already sent the prophets and we didn't listen. He sent the son and some listened and some didn't. So maybe God, just anyway, just hang with me. When the world turns on you, will you praise Jesus? Write that down. When the world turns on you, will you just praise Jesus? When everything seems to be upside down in your life, will you bless the name of the Lord? Habakkuk comes up with a great answer on here because I think the whole thing is we must rise up. See, I'm a student of reading about revivals. I've been reading about them for years the Great Awakening and the Welch Revival and on and on and even the revival at Asbury where I fly up to twice a year. They had a great revival there of college students a number of years ago. I'm a fan of revival. And I pray for revival. I pray for revival in our land. I pray for revival in our church right here. 
I pray that God would come in power. And let me just get you to write down some things that will happen if revival comes. There are a number of people that pray for revival. A lot of people don't pray for revival. They're, they're afraid of what's going to happen. Here's what I think is going to happen. Number one, there's going to be a craving for God's word like there's never been. A hunger for the word of God to be preached, to be taught, to be lived, to be discussed, to be applied. And I got to tell you, I don't see that hunger. So this, uh, when we move into the new building, we're working on some discipleship efforts at 9 o'clock. I'm going to be a 45-minute time, and I'll talk more about it. There are going to be opportunities for people to get more into God's Word, and there'll be new Bible studies for you. But I'm just asking you, when revival really comes, people hunger for God's Word. They hunger for accountability. They hunger for, uh, for fellowship. They, they, they want to be with believers. They, they want to serve God. Some other things that I see is there's an invigorated spirituality. Man, people just are hungry for the, for the things of the kingdom. Like, let me tell you what happened. Don and I go to, uh, we, we're such creatures of habit. We have certain places we go on certain days. And every Friday almost, we, we go to Quiznos. We, we just, we like a sub. We split a sub and we go to Quiznos. And we were over there this past Friday and got through working out. We went over and grabbed a sub. And there was these two men sitting there. And I'm going to tell you, I turned to Donna. I said, Donna, that was so refreshing. This one brother, he was wearing the other man out with the gospel. I only thought I could preach. Oh, my goodness. He, he went on and on and on and on. Uh-huh, uh yeah. And he didn't let the other guy even talk. And he talked and he talked and he talked. He didn't even touch his sandwich. He preached to that guy for 30 minutes. It, it was just amazing. And they got up and they hugged each other and everything. But, man, this guy was just preaching God's word. He was on fire. Man, gee. And he says, I just got to tell you, he says, there's one book. It's the greatest book I've ever read. It's the Bible. And he just started wearing it out, man. And I'm just sitting back there as a preacher just going, man, it, that isn't the kind of conversation I've been hearing about lately, you know. This guy had something. He had a fire for God, and he wanted other people to know about it. And I'm not, I don't know where you're going to be on this. Somebody say, well, that's a little bit too zealous for me. I don't know. But I'm saying we do need to talk about the things of the eternal kingdom, don't we, church? We do need to talk about God's word and the difference it's making in our life, and we crave it. Look at point A. He worshiped through his strength. Hey, when God gives you strength, it's not just in fear. When you have strength, worship in that strength that God provides. Worship through your strength. Verses 10 and 11, the sun and the moon, they're in place, but we're in your control, O God. And he just begins to say, when you have strength here, worship. Worship through your weakness, but God, worship in my strength. God, things are good. My body's healthy. I'll worship you and bless you. God, I have money in my checking account. I bless your name, God. God, I have health. I have wholeness. I have a church. I'll worship you. Let's just worship God in the good times and the bad times and the in-between times. And the church said. But we're like, well, you know, I, I don't have anything to thank him for. Oh, let me tell you. You got something to thank him for. I could take you into some situations right now. You could walk into some. You're like, man, I got a lot to be thankful. In verse 19, oh, I love this. He worships for his promises. Habakkuk teaches us to worship for the promises that God gives us. This book filled with promises of God. The promises for you and I to chew on and to eat and to memorize and to receive and to believe and to trust in. These promises are eternal. These promises are a shield unto our life. These promises are flawless, says the word of God. These promises revive the heart. Oh, God, look, look at this. Let me uh, uh, read verse 19 from the Amplified. This is a, a, another translation of the scriptures, but I love how it said it. You can look in your Bible, chapter 3, verse 19, but listen to the Amplified. 
The Lord is my strength, my personal bravery, and my invincible army. He makes my feet like the hind's feet, and he will make me to walk, not to stand still in terror, but to walk, to make spiritual progress upon high places of trouble, of suffering, or responsibility. And here, he just begins to talk about God. You are my strength. I will worship you. Now, he's talking about exalting. He talks about this hind here. Now, what is a hind? H-I-N-D. Well, I did some study on this. One, one commentary research says, hey, it's a, it's a small deer. It's a female deer. So it's a little deer. Another one says, well, it's more kind of a goat animal. But here's what I know. It's an animal that has the ability to stand in where it uh, steps and places its front feet, its back feet, the way God made this animal, it lands exactly to the quarter of the inch where the front feet landed. And it's able to ascend up mountain range where most animals would slide or fall off, and it can just climb and it can go up to new heights. And God says, I want to make you sure-footed like the hind. I want to protect you. I want to strengthen you. I want to make you invincible. I want to give you spiritual progress. You see, is, is the as, as it climbs here, as this deer climbs the range, God wants to take you and I to a high place. How many want to go to a high place today? We go to a high place with our eternal God. We go to a place that only God can take us. And somebody like, oh, I, I don't want to do no climbing. I'm going to stay down here, brother. Well, you stay down there. And you know what? You're going to stay down here in the dip. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're going to grow, and you're going to get beat up, and you might get depressed. But I don't know, I like, I like up here on the mountain sometimes. How about you? You know, uh, Ron Hutchcraft gave an illustration years ago I loved. He, he said it's a, it's a we, we like the high place. It's like a spiritual candy bar. Hey, right now, I want you to look under your seat. There's candy bars. No, I didn't do that to you. But hey, if I gave everybody here a candy bar right here, Man, y'all would get on a sugar buzz for the next 30 minutes. Y'all would be happy, and we'd stand up and sing again and bless the name of Jesus. But in about 45 minutes, you'd watch your sugar fall, and you'd just, you'd just be sitting there, and you'd be sleeping on the way out of here. You remember in school when you, you know, you better go down and get you a little sugar, brother. Well, you know what? Hey, God wants to take us to a high place, but, it, but it's not a short-lived spiritual candy bar. It's a place where he is. God, help us to be like this hind. So he begins to talk about it, and he says, you're my strength, God. New heights I will go. I'd write down this. This is the most practical thing I can say. God, you're the answer to my problems. God, you're the answer. So in the tough places, you make me strong. But if you just plow ahead on your own strength, I promise you one thing. You'll crash. You'll just crash. Number four. 318 rejoice in the god of my salvation rejoice means this it literally means jump for joy god i magnify you god i rejoice in you i jump for eternal joy psalm 118 24 says this is a day which the lord has brought about we will rejoice and be glad in it in other words establish the attitude in your heart i will rejoice in the lord he has made me glad god i bless you you're saying well Pastor, I've got sickness. My house won't sell. I'm, it's financially tough. My health's failing. This is going wrong. I, I got one prescription. Bless the Lord. Praise Him. Man, I've seen some of the most spiritual sights at people's hospital beds and deathbeds that were still able. They were blessing the name of God. They realized He was their hope. Focus. Here it is. You focus on the problem or you focus on the possibility. And I hope you're going to fo focus on the possibility of greater faith, greater intimacy with Jesus. So you and I have to do one thing. We have to choose what we're going to do. We're going to praise him. We're going to worship him. We're going to rejoice in him. Or we're going to complain. Uh, 
I, I, I got a statement here I want to throw out to you. Have you walked with Jesus enough through yesterday's that you'll trust him today? Have you walked with Jesus through enough yesterday's trials and tribulation that you'll choose to trust him today? He has been faithful in the past. He will be faithful in the future. He's an eternal God. Lord, your majesty fills us up today. God, we're a chosen people. We're a royal priesthood unto you that we might declare the praises of the one who has called us from darkness to light in your son, Jesus Christ. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8, listen to this. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It is not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. For my confidence is in God. And the final point here, worship is all about God. God, I worship you. Oh, oh, the A-W-E here is fear mingled with reverence and wonder. God, I'm in wonder. God, I am amazed how great you are. I often wonder, because we're a casual church by design, do we have enough awe of God? Just and, and I love the casual thing. I mean, we, you know, we have developed, we, we love that. We feel like it really is inviting to people. But sometimes have we become too casual with a holy God that we're just in reverence and fear. Uh, uh, here's another definition, a very strong feeling of wonder, reverence, a fear caused by something grand and something powerful. That's something grand, something powerful is Jesus. He's an awesome God of worship. God, may you capture our hearts by your awe this morning. We, may we recognize you, God, for who you are as creator, redeemer, savior, and friend. But I want you to write a thought down about awe. Busyness hinders awe. If you get too busy, you don't tend to be too in awe of who God is because you're running from pillar to post. And really, it's all about Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we trust you. I, I read a story years ago, and I ran across it this week. The name's Joni Erickson. You've seen her in a wheelchair. You've seen her in an amazing voice for Christ. And she talks about how she trusts in the comfort of God. And here's what I thought was interesting about her life. She says, every morning I wake up and I can't dress or do really anything for myself. My husband gets ready. And at 6 o'clock I hear him close the door and he goes to work. For the next solid hour I lay there in the bed waiting for my housekeeper to come to my house. And I worship God. And at 7 o'clock I hear the door open and she comes in and she puts on the coffee and about 7.30, she comes in to help me get a bath and to dress me and to brush my teeth. And this lady lectures to millions across the globe. And the people said, well, how do you do it? How do you do it? She goes, I don't do it. If it was just up to me, I'd be ready to go home tomorrow. Life has really been cruel and tough. But the strength that I find in my relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm able to endure one day at a time. Now, y'all, I've seen Joni a number of times, and I've just thought about when I complain. Could you imagine if that happened to us tomorrow? If you couldn't dress yourself or feed yourself, and you had to totally be dependent on another person, would you bless the name of Jesus? And we have so much to be grateful for. God, may we stand in awe of who you are and all your power, and we bless you. So I'll wrap it up this way. I'm not going to use my poem, guys. Sorry, it's getting too late. Here it is in the box. Let go and let God. God, I let go. I trust you. 
this morning. I want to uh, do something a little different. I asked Jeff and the band, if y'all, if y'all come this way, guys. Uh, this morning, in our invitation time, we're just going to do it a little different, okay? Okay. There's a great song we used to sing around here, and it just started ringing in my spirit because this, I think verse 2 talks about, I stand in awe of you. You're, 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 basically, you're the famous one. That's where it came from. Y'all remember that song, Famous One, we used to sing? We're going to sing a great song with the worship team now. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, and I don't want anybody to leave because the service is not over. This is probably the exclamation point of the morning. But we're going to stand in awe of the king, and he is the famous one to be declared this morning. So, brother, if you just lead us in, in this song this morning, and, and then I'll come back. 